It's the Magic Time Podcast, brought to you by Herb Foundation Media. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 14 of the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires and we're very pleased to be joined once again by the head coach of the Moncton Magic. It's Joe Salerno. Joe, welcome aboard. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? Happy uh, family day. Same to you. I uh, hope you're enjoying your day and appreciate you definitely taking a little bit of time out of your day. I know there's a lot going on on a lot of fronts uh, for you. And, uh, you know, I, I think there might be a little bit of news <clears throat> that uh, broke uh, yesterday. Um, so, Tis that time of year, the deadline for trades roster moves in the NBL is today, and the Moncton Magic uh, really making a big splash yesterday with the announcement of the signing of Juan Patillo, and maybe, Coach, uh, who better to speak to it than that? Uh, how did it all come about? Oh, well, I mean, it, it kind of really just came to, you know, fruition over the last week. Um Juan was was somebody we'd actually traded traded for his rights um, back at the start of training camp or the end of training camp. We we had sent uh, a first round draft pick and uh, and Chad Frazier, who was a very good player, to Windsor, uh, who in turn sent us the rights to to Juan Patillo, and we had made that trade, you know, knowing that Juan was already currently playing in, in Finland. Uh, he was overseas, but um, you know it was it was certainly worth it to me to potentially have his rights, you know, if he ever was to come back, um, you know, over to North America this year, which he ended up doing and, and worked out very well for us. Um, very similar situation to, to Jason Calise, um, as we made a trade for his rights, you know, for Russell Bird, um, even though he was playing in Spain. So, um, but really it was just over the last probably week and a half, two weeks that, that Juan and I started talking. Uh, he came back in uh, early February uh, from Finland. And, uh, yeah, it was just a talking back and forth with him and his agent, uh, Chris Patrick. And, uh, you know, we were able to get a deal done uh, yesterday. So just uh, really excited to have him on board. And, uh, you know, he's a veteran, uh, 29 years of age, according to his profile. Um, you know, as you mentioned, he's got experience in the NBL. He's got international experience. He played at a high level in NCAA Division One, most notably with Oklahoma. But uh Last year in Windsor, uh, the leading rebounder in the NBL, an 18-10 guy. Um, what I, I mean, I know you got to bring him in and get him used to the system, but uh, when do you hope to see him on the floor for the first practice, and what are your plans to kind of integrate him into the Magic system? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing with Wong, he has a, he has a pretty high IQ when it comes to the game. Um, you know, he's played at a lot of very high levels, including – you know, the NBA D league, um, you know, but, but we're expecting him to arrive, uh, Tuesday night. Uh, he, he, he lands in Moncton, uh, Tuesday evening. So, you know, first, first day will be Wednesday with us. And, uh, you know, we're scheduled to have a, a film session and practice that day. So, you know, it's nice that we're going to have three, three to four full days with him, you know, before our next game, you know, we do plan on, on having him in the lineup for our game on Sunday against Halifax and, and, uh, and he'll play. I mean, there's no, no doubt he'll play. He's very familiar with, the NBL Canada and, and with a lot of the players in this league. Um, and I think he's an immediate impact guy. You know, I think it will take him a little while as it would anybody to, to kind of pick up what we do offensively and in the defensive schemes. Um, but, you know, his presence interior defensively and, and, and what he'll bring to the, the glass, uh, you know, rebounding the ball right away will, will be a big impact for us. So um, we're going to try to get up to speed as, as quick as possible and, 
and uh, you know we have a great veteran group here, right? So I think a lot of the guys are are going to help him, you know, kind of uh, pick everything up quickly. So just uh, it's an exciting move for us, and it's a move I think you know is going to going to help us, you know, as we kind of make this place uh, this push for the playoffs. He's listed at uh, six six two and a quarter. Uh, certainly, he's got some good size to him. But checking out some video highlights of him, coach, uh, a very athletic player. Uh, he can really get up. I mean, he can when he gets in the air, he almost goes uh, eyeball to rim. So uh, you know, he he's got some good hops in there. And how helpful is it that he is familiar with the league because he's going to know some of the guys that he's going to be matching up against? How much does that help you and help him? Yeah, I mean, it'll help. It'll help everybody. <laughs> you know that that he has some experience in this league. You know, we always kind of joke. I mean, this league really is kind of a bit of a of a different animal. You know, than than what you would see over in Europe or, or in other leagues um, around the world. You know, it's it's just so athletic. It's so physical, uh, and and that kind of fits right in with with Juan. You know, that's the type of player that he is. Um, so you know, he did play in the Central Division last year with Windsor. So he wouldn't be, you know, extremely familiar with a. Uh, with teams here in the Atlantic division. But um, like I said, you know, I think this is a, a great league uh, for the style, you know, play that, that Juan has. And um, he's going to add just, you know, again, another great interior defender, you know, another great rebounder for us and um, some athleticism, you know, to our front court, you know, which is still something we're, we're not one of the most athletic teams in the league. You know, we have, we have good athletes, but uh, I think he's going to, he's going to add a lot of that athleticism to, um, you know, to our team. So certainly I think with one, one move here, you know, we've, we've addressed, you know, some of the holes in our roster. And I think we've added, um, you know, to two or different things that two or three different things that we could have improved on. So, you know, again, I think it's going to be a great, great addition for us. Now we'll uh, move on from Juan in just a minute, but final thing on him, when the announcement was made, uh, I saw some of the comments on social media and, there seemed to be general shock and awe in a good way that the Magic were able to land a player of the caliber uh, of Juan. Maybe for fans that aren't familiar, of course, Juan's his own guy and he's got his own style and he's a very good player. But maybe is there a player in the NBL or just another player in general that you could liken him to so that fans who aren't familiar with him might be able to go, ah, okay, that's what we're getting. Oh, boy. Um you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to kind of make comparisons of, of a player, you know, to another player in this, in this league. Um, I mean, he is just an extremely athletic um, interior scorer, you know, who, who really is kind of a blue collar type of guy. You know, I made a comment in, in uh, Dave uh, Tingley's, you know, article yesterday. Um, you know, I think a lot of times you can find, you know, real kind of hard hat blue collar guys, you know, who are going to kind of do the dirty work and rebound and defend, you know, similar to a guy like Denzel Taylor. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, there's guys that are, that are really talented, you know, guys that can score the ball and shoot the basketball. And, you know, and I guess maybe you put a guy like a Billy White, you know, in, in that type category, you know, I think Juan kind of has the best of, of both of those worlds. I think he has that blue collar mentality, but he's also extremely talented so, you know, when you combine those two things, it can make for a, a, a very good player. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure. You know, I think you got me, Scott. I think after 14 episodes, you finally got me. <laughs> I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to I didn't mean to do that to you, coach. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, on the spot, if I had to compare him uh, to a player, you know, in, in the NBA. Um, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could right now. I just uh, I'm pretty confident with what he's going to bring to our roster. 
Well, it's pretty neat. Uh, if uh, listeners have an opportunity, go to YouTube, do a search for him, and there's actually some neat video of him a couple of years ago when he played for Buznan KT Sonic Boom in the Korean Basketball League. There's some uh, video of Juan winning a dunk competition in Korea. So again, it just kind of goes back to what I was saying. Uh, he's a very exciting player. He's athletic, as you said, coach. And uh, he can really get up there, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him play. So along with that announcement the other day, I think uh, some fans might have uh, had to go and get some herbal tea to help calm down when they saw initially uh, a report um, that Terry Thomas and uh, Brent Jennings, uh, BJ, had been uh, put on inactive. But you, being very proactive, sent out a tweet pretty quickly, putting those fears to rest. But... Maybe just a comment about that move, uh, putting Terry Thomas and Brent Jennings on the inactive. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it was it was, it was good. I, I we sent out that tweet, right? And and uh, I think it's just great to see, you know, how you know, kind of concerned and, and you know our fans were, and just how passionate they are, and you know, uh, oh, we don't want to you know lose Brent and and Terry, and yeah, I think just confirming, you know, for them, oh, we're, we're definitely not sending those guys anywhere <laughs> you know we, we love both of those guys um you know terry right now he, he's uh he's played a lot of minutes this season he's a little banged up you know he's, he's a little banged up right now nothing serious at all and and we're just going to uh, you know rest him a little bit um i think you know there's still a very good chance he, he's activated by this weekend you know before the halifax game so we're going to see uh we're going to see how he feels and then of course with, with, with bj um you know we have to we have to make a move here uh, to be able to activate Juan. You know, of course, you can only carry 12 players on a roster. Um, after today, you know, no team is, is able to add anybody else to their roster. So for us, because we haven't made, you know, any moves this year, we've only made the two moves with, with Jennings and Kalis, but we haven't carried anybody on our inactive roster. So, you know, if we hadn't done this, if we hadn't added basically a 13th man to our team, you know, after today, if there had been any injuries at all, you know, or, or anything of, of those, you know, of that nature, we wouldn't have been able to add anybody. Um, so carrying a, a 13th player on our inactive roster is, it's almost kind of like an insurance policy. You know, we're really trying to cover ourselves um, to make sure we stay healthy and, and we have the right guys we want before we head into the playoffs. So, you know, right now it's, it's BJ that, that's on the inactive uh, roster. That that could definitely change, you know, in the next week. It could change in the next two weeks. Um, injuries could come up. You know, we could decide that, that maybe somebody else would decide to sit down. Uh, but in order for Juan Patillo to play, you know, be eligible for the playoffs, he has to participate in at least six regular season games uh, for the Magic. So. You know, with 10 games left, you know, we had to get him in here and, and certainly had to move somebody to that inactive roster. And, you know, right now it's Brent Jennings. And, uh, you know, he handled that news like a true pro. Um, we, we spoke yesterday and he said, hey, coach, you know, I just want to win a championship. You know, so whatever whatever is best for the team right now, I'm 100% on board with. Uh, and I wouldn't have expected anything less from DJ. You know, so uh, that that's kind of in a nutshell, you know, what those moves were about yesterday and the reasoning behind that. Uh, but again, you know, that could change here over the next uh, two to three weeks as we, we lead into the uh, the playoffs. Well, it's certainly, uh, you know, no surprise to hear you say that about Brent Jennings. I mean, I see him around the arena uh, before games, you know, talking to his uh, his son there. And uh, the entire team all season long, everyone's been rowing the boat the same way. And, and again, no surprise. 
Before we move on and talk about the games this past weekend, uh, I got to put you on the spot just a little bit. Of course, uh, there's still some time left in today, being uh, the deadline day. Uh, obviously, uh, Juan Patillo, the, the big move, but uh, is your work done or is there still maybe an iron that's smoldering just a little bit? I mean, we're, we're still, I've, I've actually been, been fielding a lot of phone calls and emails um, from, from other teams, you know, in, in the NBL, you know, last night and this morning, the phone's actually been pretty busy. You know, it's, it's interesting. Some years, you know, the, the, the transaction deadline is, is pretty cold and, you know, other years it's, it can be much different. Um, you know, I, I, again, I'm not proactively searching for another addition to our team. Um, you know, I, I think with the addition of Juan, I really like our roster. Uh, but then again, you know, you can't just not take phone calls and, and hear out what other teams may be willing to offer you. You know, I, I don't think I would be doing my job to the fullest if, if I didn't, you know, hear these other teams out and these other potential offers or other players that are that are coming up over here the last day or two. So, you know, I'll, I'll review and, and we'll kind of talk with anybody that does approach us and we'll look at different scenarios. Uh, but as of right now, I'm not I'm not proactively seeking something else for this roster. Uh, but we'll certainly, you know, again, we'll, we'll always take into consideration, um, you know, whatever we feel could be best for, for the Magic moving forward and you know, whatever's going to put us in the best, best position to try to win a championship this year. So uh, phone's still, you know, a little busy, but, um, you know, I, I, I would say the chances are probably unlikely that there's any other moves, uh, you know, before that mid, midnight deadline. Well, certainly uh, the acquisition of Juan yesterday, a big one for the team. And just for fans of the NBL in general that are listening, uh, some pretty significant news coming out of Cape Breton today, Coach. Uh, the Highlanders announcing that Duke Mundy uh, had uh, moved into the G League. So that's a pretty big roster news there for the Highlanders as well. Yeah, it is. You know, it's unfortunate for, for Cape Breton and, and their fans. It's, it's obviously a, a great thing, though. You know, I mean, uh, Duke is a, is a young very talented player. I've, I've known Duke for, for two years now, pretty much ever since he came out of, out of Oakland. Uh, and he's, he's a great player. I mean, he's an extremely skilled player who's still very young and still has an awful lot of potential. So for him to get that opportunity to, to go down there to Texas and play with the legends uh, to finish their season with them, I think is great. You know, and I think kudos to, to Kay Bread, you know, and, and Tyrone Levinson over there and, you know, reading their press release this morning, you know, that they were happy to, for Duke to get that opportunity um, you know, which is great. So it's uh, certainly wish Duke all, all the best. Well, we're glad that we got a chance to see him on the weekend. So let's go to the weekend now. This uh, past weekend at the Moncton Coliseum, a couple of big home games for you and the Magic coach. And uh, the first one up on uh, Friday night, Dave Tingley and I had been uh, very excited about it. We knew that it had all the earmarkings of being a, a really tough physical contest that we had seen a couple weeks before. And uh, it did not disappoint, although I know for you and the team it was disappointing not to get the victory. But for fans and for us calling the game, uh, what a game. 87-86, Halifax Hurricanes took the uh, the W. But, Coach, uh, we talked after the game, and, and you were just kind of like, hey, that's, that's as tough a game as we've played this year. Just a couple thoughts and takeaways from that game against Halifax. Yeah, it was. It was, it was too, you know, very good basketball teams. It was two two good defensive teams, really kind of kind of locking horns there and, and, and going at each other. Um, and you know you really don't expect anything less when, when you play those guys. 
uh, it was a very defensive orientated game. You know, there's no question about it. Nothing was coming easy for either team. You know, when you look at the shooting percentages for both teams, field goal percentage, three point field goal percentage, you know, I think that was a, a season worst for, for both teams, a season low. And I think that was attributed to the defense. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of bumps and bruises. It was a, a very tough physical game. I think, you know, having Denzel Taylor foul out with about 40 seconds left and, and then having Jeremy Williams uh, bang up his knee pretty good. Uh, neither of those guys available in the overtime, you know, really put us in a tough position. And, uh, and Halifax did a great job. You know, they went right inside to Billy White, and and uh, we struggled with him, you know, with those two guys out of the lineup. So, you know, it was it was a good game. Um, you know, it kind of felt like, a you know, an old, you know, Pistons-Bulls game or, a, you know, a Knicks-Bulls games, you know, NBA-Eastern Conference, late 80s. Um, but, uh, you know, we came up a bucket short and it was, it was disappointing. Um, you know, but I'm, we're, I'm sure we'll be ready to go again with them, uh, this Sunday. Yeah. I think if I, uh, had a squint at just a little bit, I might've seen Bill Lambert and, and Bill Wennington going at it up the rack there for a while. <laughs> yeah, you, you might've, it was, it was definitely that, that type of game. There was, uh, that was a grown man's game out there on, on Friday night. You know, there's no, no question about that. Um, you know, I think, I think, so I was proud of our team. You know, that, that's a that's a bigger, you know, stronger, you know, physically, you know, team than us. And and I thought our guys answered the bell and they matched their their physical toughness. And uh, you know, like I said, it was tough. We came a bucket a bucket short, and um, you know, but but again, we bounced back pretty well the next night. Yeah, you did indeed. And and we'll just talk about this game just a little bit more, just because it was such a titanic battle, and you know, anything can happen in the game of sport of game of basketball and sports in general, but. It would not be unlikely to see you guys meeting uh, in the Atlantic Division playoffs at some point. But you mentioned Mason and Billy White and even Tyrone Watson. But for the most part, especially in the first half, you guys did a good job of kind of shutting them down and shutting the team down collectively. And then Denzel went out, as you said. But there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where Antoine Mason kind of got off a little bit. And then Billy White in the overtime was the biggest part of that kind of turnaround for those two guys was that main reason? Was it Denzel being out or was it a little bit of fatigue? Is there one or two things that you can point to other than Denzel being out of that, uh, being out of the post and out of the paint that kind of gave those guys a little bit extra space in the fourth and in the overtime? No, I mean, when it comes to Mason, I, I don't think so. I, I think we had done a pretty good job, you know, holding him in check most of the game. And, you know, he, I mean, he's a good player. I mean, he, just, he can only, you know, hold those type of guys down for, for so long. You know, eventually he, he hit some shots. He, I thought he hit some tough shots. You know, I thought they were still pretty tough shots to make. Uh, but you know, good players do that. They they make they make big shots and, and big moments. And uh, you know, Billy in that overtime, you know, I, I, I do. I really think that was attributed to, to Denzel Taylor and Jeremy Williams. You know, both being out of the game at that time. You know, those are our two best matchups for Billy. And uh, you know, we, we probably should have gone to the double team. You know, a possession or two earlier than, than what we did. And, uh, you know, that's on me. You know, that's not on anybody else. Um, I think once we did go to the double, you know, we got it out of his hands there the last couple of possessions. But, uh, you know, pairing Denzel and Jay Will out, and then obviously Halifax just being very adamant that that's who they were going to go to and they were going to do whatever they could to get the basketball to him. Um, you know, that, that was kind of the difference. And uh, it was tough. He had big shots. You know, hats off to him. He, he, he kind of owned that overtime. I think he had six points in the overtime. So, 
you know, they, they, they won the game. They won the game down the stretch. Well, you know what? And But you guys had the opportunities for sure. I mean, it, it really was a great tilt, and it, it could have gone either way. I mean, sometimes that cliche, that's cliche, but it really could have. Maybe just, and we'll move on in just a sec, Coach, but maybe just a word about the two plays that you called up uh, the final possession in the fourth quarter when it was tied and Terry had a good look baseline and it ended up going to overtime. And then again, you had a final possession, I think with about nine seconds left in the OT. Uh, what were your kind of thought process drawing up those final couple of plays? And, uh, you know, what was the kind of mood on the sideline when you were putting those plays in? Because again, you had good looks and sometimes it goes that way. You just don't get the shot to drop. Yeah. Um, well, the last play of, of regulation, you know, we want to get the ball into, into Terry Thomas's hands. We wanted to get him kind of going north-south, you know, going towards the basket. Um, you know, we were hoping we could put Terry in a position to either, you know, get a switch and, and you know, maybe try to attack the basket off one of their bigs, which, which we got. It ended up being Ramil Brown uh, switching out on him. And we just kind of put Terry in space and gave him the basketball moving you know, north-south, and, um, you know, I thought Ramil Brown defended it pretty well. I, I thought, personally, there was a couple bumps. I thought there, there definitely could have been a foul called on that final play of regulation. Uh, you know, it was almost as if maybe the officials kind of made up their mind and said, you know what, we're, we're going to let the players decide this, and we're not going to call a foul on this last possession. Now, I don't know if that's true. I'm sure it's not, but, but that's kind of what it, what it felt like. Um, I thought the play was executed well. I thought we got a really good look. Um, and you know, we just ball just didn't go down, you know, and, and, and that was tough. Interestingly enough, at, at the end of, uh, overtime, you know, we have a second option off of that play, uh, which is designed for, for Anthony Anderson. And, um, you know, we actually ran the same exact play, you know, kind of knowing we were going to look to that second option. And, um, you know, they switched out very aggressively onto Anderson, and it was Billy White, you know, who, who used his length, and he got a hand up and, and really created a tough shot uh, for AA on that final possession in, in, the, in regulation or overtime. So, you know, it was uh, it was tough. I thought we could have scored at the end of regulation. You know, I thought Halifax defended uh, very well at the end of overtime and, you know, like I said, came up a point short. Well, if I get a, a special whisk to the Easter Bunny early, uh, it would be for uh, Halifax and Moncton to meet in the Atlantic Division final. I I, I think I might be a wreck at the end of it, but uh, it would be great. And, and maybe just a final thought. I know that you're proud of your guys. And, and I mean, what an effort they gave on Friday night. At the end of that game, while the teams were shaking hands, Terry Thomas, who had a game-high 25 for the Magic, was hunched over at center court for a few minutes almost. I thought he was going to be physically ill. I thought he was going to vomit, but I, he... All of the guys gave that much effort. Maybe just a final thought, Coach, on the effort that you guys gave because it was pretty much all out for the entire 48 minutes. Yeah, there, there really wasn't any any letdown, you know, for that entire game. And, um, you know, Terry, Terry played 46 minutes that game, you know. And it's one thing to play 46 minutes in the game. It's another thing to, to play those 46 in that style of game, of, of what that was and how physical it was and – uh, Terry's such an aggressive player, you know, he gets, he gets hit a lot, you know, in games, whether that's, you know, trying to get through screens defensively or attacking the rim offensively. So he was just, he was exhausted. You know, there was no doubt he was exhausted. And, um, you know, we kind of cut down his minutes the next night because of that. Um, but I thought the whole team, you know, both teams, I think gave it their, their max effort. And I think you can always expect that when, when we hook up. 
Well, I know Coach Mike Leslie talking to him before the game, uh, he kind of echoed the sentiment that you have, which is you really enjoy playing one another because it's uh, it's pedal to the metal and uh, it's, just, it's just good hard-nosed basketball. So it'll be exciting to see uh, the matchup on Sunday afternoon, uh, this Sunday at uh, 2 o'clock. So the next night you turn around, as you said, uh, you know, you, you had to really kind of go to the bench a little more to, to spread the minutes around. And you guys got off to a great start in that uh, Saturday night game against St. John, 30-14 to 14 after the first quarter. You ended up with a 101-83 victory over the Riptide. Maybe, Coach, uh, just some takeaways from that game, um, being able to have to utilize your bench, your second unit, a lot more. Yeah, we did. I mean, we kind of knew that coming into that game. You know, just the, the starters had kind of put out, you know, so much the night before against Halifax. Um, so we ran a different rotation, you know, a little bit. We, we cut down some guys' minutes and made them kind of shorter shifts. Uh, I thought our bench was, was outstanding, you know, especially in the first half of that game. And, and they're the group that kind of really extended that lead a little bit uh, against St. John. Um, I thought it was one of the best we had executed offensively, uh, you know, in that game, especially in the first half. Um, you know, we, we just were, we were pretty crisp. And uh, it was great to see the guys kind of have that level of, of mental focus on, on what we were running and, and where our shot opportunities were going to come from, uh, especially after playing the, the game that we did the night before. So uh, we played well. You know, we played very well. I, think, I thought on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively, you know, to hold, you know, the St. John team to, to 83 points uh, is pretty difficult to do. And, um you know, the, the guys, the, we've had a great game. You know, the guys played very, very well. And, and to me, we've had other times this season where we maybe haven't played as well on the second day of a back-to-back. And maybe we haven't been able to be as mentally sharp. And um, to see that improvement in, in, in the nature of which we played on that quick turnaround, you know, it was great. To me, that's just showing, you know, us growing in another facet, you know, as the season goes on. Um so it was it was a very very solid win for us, and probably the highest compliment I can pay on that win to the Moncton Magic, the guy in the Riptide that kind of had a really good game the last time the Riptide were in Moncton, Horace Warmly, you held him to two points and he turned the ball over five times. How much of a key was Horace Warmly when you were talking to your guys prior to that game? I mean, yeah, the, our whole game plan. Uh, you know, kind of surrounded Horace Wormley. Uh, you know, in the handshake line, you know, Horace actually kind of stopped me and he said, you know, man, coach, you know, all I saw was was was, was white, white jerseys everywhere, you know, and, and uh, he kind of complimented us on, on our game plan. And, and uh, you know, Horace is, is, is one of the top point guards in the league, and I think he's been that much more assertive since Gabe Freeman uh, left the team. And he's looked to have been more assertive and aggressive offensively and we just wanted to do everything we could to contain him, um, you know, not give him any open driving lanes to the basket. You know, um, there were certain guys we wanted to help off of a little more than others. And, and the guys just did a great job of, of really executing that game plan against Wormley. Um, you know, and, and I think it was, it was tough. Nothing came easy for Horace that night. And, and I think he only had three shot attempts. So when you do that to a guy, I mean, you know, it's not like he had an off shooting night. He, he literally couldn't even find space to get shots up. So it was great. It was uh, it was a great defensive effort. Yeah, I mean, sitting where we get to, David and myself uh, courtside for the broadcast, 
just watching the defensive intensity in the eyes of the Moncton Magic. You could tell how into it they were. Um, so let's move on. We'll wrap it up here shortly, Coach. And uh, I know that uh, it's still a, a quite a few days away. But again, I mentioned er- earlier, your next opponent, no rest for the weary. The Halifax Hurricanes right back into the Coliseum again on Sunday. Uh, of course, you're going to have Juan Patilio in the lineup. That's going to be a big addition for the roster. But what are a couple of things, Coach, that you took away from Friday's game that you're going to work on in film and in practice and try to do maybe a little differently or hope to execute a little differently come Sunday? Well, you know, I, I think we we I, I haven't I haven't really you know dove into the, the Halifax film yet. You know, to be honest, that was kind of on my my schedule for later on this afternoon. But playing St. John the very next day, um, and then this this trade transaction deadline and everything that kind of comes along with that. Um, you know, I haven't gotten into the Halifax you know film yet, so I probably couldn't answer that question too honestly right now. Um, I actually thought that that we still had some some pretty good looks against a very stout defense in Halifax. I don't think we shot the ball extremely well um, that day. I thought I thought Terry had some some really good looks from the perimeter. I thought Corey did. You know, Jason was two of seven. Uh, Jason Calise that night. So um, you know, I think it will just be small tweaks. It will be small tweaks to you know try to get those looks or get a few more of those looks. Um, and you know, hopefully this time around we knock them down. You know, I think obviously we will we will obviously look to incorporate Juan, you know, into into some set plays and, and try to get him some touches, you know, where he could potentially be a scoring threat for us as well. Um, so, you know, I'll really kind of get into the Halifax stuff tonight. Um, you know, we actually had two days off. We didn't we didn't have anything yesterday or today. Um, you know, and now we have the next five days to prepare for uh, for Halifax. And coach. You got a couple of days to prepare, but you and I have been talking all season, even basically since uh, the beginning of the year weekly. And, you know, we've been talking about the pro- the progression of the team coming together, gelling as a unit, the chemistry. But for you right now, and, and again, I, I know that you hope to see even better things coming down the stretch and toward the playoffs. What are one or two really big positive differences that you see in your team here on the Fed on February 19th as compared to when you took the floor in your first couple of games at the beginning of the season back in November. I'm, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit on me there, Scott. And I didn't, I didn't catch the very end of that question. That's okay. Basically uh, th- we've been talking all season, but a couple of really positive differences that you've seen from your team as you compare them now on February 19th, as compared to the first couple of games of the regular season back in November, what's a couple of positive things that you've seen change for the better for this team? Oh, just, just the acceptance of, of roles, you know, the acceptance of, of, of players, you know, understanding what their role is on this team and, and what they can contribute. Um, you know, that to me has been a, a huge positive for us. You know, guys kind of know, you know, when they're going to be coming off the bench and, and, you know, where they can look for their shots and, and how many minutes they can kind of expect to play. And, and to me, I think once every player knows what their role is, they, and once they've accepted that and, and once they feel that they have a part and they can contribute to the success of a team, you're going to have great chemistry. And, and, and that's kind of what we have, we've had, and it's been getting better and better over the course of the season. Uh, I think we've immensely improved offensively. I mean, there's just no no question about it. Um, ever since I think we kind of added Jason Calise and Brent Jennings, um, 
you know, and we've stayed tacked with that roster. Guys have just gotten so comfortable with what we're doing and, and kind of really found our identity. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a shooting team. We're a jump shooting team. There's, there's no question about it. Um, so, you know, I mean, to me, those are the two biggest kind of improvements from the start of the season to now. Um, and, you know, hopefully that just only continues to, to get better. Now, of course, uh, today, and again, really appreciate you taking time, Coach. Uh, it's uh, Family Day in New Brunswick, Heritage Day in Nova Scotia, and I believe Islander Day in uh, PEI. And I think my son told me it's also Family Day in Newfoundland, but I digress. But the other thing, you know, your dad was there for the weekend games, and it was really neat to see your two kids, your son and your daughter, how they gravitate to your dad, who would be their grandfather. And, you know, your son had the camera. Your daughter had a chocolate muffin, which looked really delicious. But uh, what, what's that family component mean to you, to be able to have your dad there and to have your kids be around and, of course, your wife? What, what does that mean to be able to have them around as you reflect on that on family day? Well, I mean, it means a lot. I mean, they're, they've just my entire family, you know, my, my immediate family and, and, and even my in-laws, um, they've just always been extremely supportive of, of my job. And, and they kind of understand that it can be a little crazy at times and it's an awful lot of hours and there's kind of a lot of stresses involved and, and they've just always been supportive of it. Um, you know, my, my, my mother has come to see games this year. My father has been up a few times, you know, both my sisters have, have been to games this year. And, and of course my wife and kids come to, every game my, my father-in-law you know he's been to games so um it's great it's, it's a it's a tremendous support system to have you know and and it's, you know it's been what about you know nine nine seasons now you know kind of doing this as a as a profession and and you need your your family to be on board with it you know it just doesn't work if, if they're not and um so you know it, it, it's great it, it's great my father actually left this morning you know and um you know, I headed back to Vermont and uh you know I got to spend some time played some actually played some street hockey with my son out in the driveway today you know for about half an hour which was which was a good time and uh no it's it, it's good man they're uh they're they're great and, and they they love basketball and it's certainly a family affair have you had the pleasure of uh, having a car come by and having to yell car and move the net and then wait for the car and then move the net back? <laughs> no, we, we have a, we have a pretty big driveway. So we got, we have, we have plenty of space. Uh, you know, my, my son, you know, he's, I gotta, I gotta yell at him a lot when he's riding his bike out in the street though. Right. We kind of a busy street and, uh, but no, not, not yet. We haven't lost any, any street hockey ball to traffic. Uh, not yet. No hockey nets either. All right. Final thing for you, coach, of course, uh, the fans, such an important part of the team, and uh, fan attendance has certainly been rising over the last few weeks. Uh, we actually had one of the fans, uh, Mo Jacob, pitch in with a couple of comments here. And one of the comments he said when we were talking about Juan earlier, he said he really likes playing, or he really likes watching players that can think. Intelligence on the floor is what makes uh, him a fan of a particular player, and it sounds like a good decision was made to bring Juan in. And I read that because it just ties back into the fan experience. The fans really seem to be so engaged with the team. You referenced it earlier when you sent out the tweet mentioning about Terry and Brent, but maybe just a word, Coach, about what the fan support has meant. Certainly the last number of home games when there's been really good crowds on hand. Maybe just a word about what the fans mean to this team. They, they mean a lot, you know, they, they absolutely do. And, um, I think we, we've briefly talked about this on, on a previous podcast where, um, you know, the, the, there's been a group of 
just absolute diehard basketball fans here in Moncton that, that have always supported the pro team, you know, that that's been in Moncton. And, and now that group is supporting the magic, you know, which is just, it's so important for, for our guys. Um, now we've seen that group grow, you know, and, and I mean, we have fans who travel over from, from PEI, you know, to, to come watch guys that, that they're fans of. We have people that travel from, from St. John, you know, to come watch Anthony Anderson play. And, and that, that fan base has, has grown. And, and um, you know, I even see people commenting on social media, you know, man, they, they want to see, you know, Moncton win a championship this year. And, and it's just, it's, it's great, you know, and I think our guys have done a nice job interacting with those fans. Um, you know, I, I usually don't go out to the autograph line, you know, after games. I, I to be honest, I, I just, I like the attention, you know, the guys having that, that attention, they, they deserve it. And, you know, I once in a while I'll kind of peek around the corner there and you know, it's just really nice to see all of our guys out there smiling and kind of having fun with fans and seeing how much the fans enjoy it. So I think there's definitely a mutual respect, you know, our fans to our players and our players to our fans. And, and um, it's, it's been really positive. It's been a really positive fan experience here this season. And, and it's nice to continue to see, you know, more, more people, coming to our games and seeing, you know, every, every game, it seems like there's a few more uh, faces in the crowd. And, um, you know, we look forward to continuing to build that here over this season and, and into next season. And, um, you know, so, so it's been great. And that's a great uh, time to mention as well, the Sunday game coming up against your Atlantic division rival, the Halifax Hurricanes. It'll be 2 PM Atlantic Sunday afternoon. It's BOGO day. Uh, they're having a family day for the game. Uh, if uh, if you buy a ticket, you get another free of equal or lesser value for all sections. And something really cool that fans may not be aware of, all games, all the time, kids five and under are always free. And I know they're going to have some bouncy castles and things there on Sunday. So, Coach, a real good chance for families to get out and uh, fill the Coliseum to see uh, what should be another excellent game and we certainly uh, wish you lots of luck and very excited to see uh, the new look lineup on Sunday. And again, Coach, thanks very much for taking the time to do this and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And hopefully you'll get some family time tonight. Okay. That sounds great, Scott. Thanks again for having me on. Always a pleasure, sir. Can't thank you enough for your time. That has been Joe Salerno, the head coach of the Moncton Magic. I'm Scott Squires. And thank you so much for listening. Once again, this has been episode 14 of the Magic Time Podcast. Wherever you are today, have a great one. And remember, if you can't take part in sports, be a good one anyway. You've been listening to the Magic Time Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media.